I'm Lisa, and welcome to In Pursuit. Today's episode is actually part of a new series here at In Pursuit, which is called You Need to Hear This. You Need to Hear This is a series where I bring on guests who not only share their experiences, but can also guide conversations in areas that are often misguided, underconversated, and ultimately misunderstood. These issues in the world are many, yet the conversations are few. You Need to Hear This is meant to shed light on topics that can be hard to talk about but still need to be heard. For the first episode of You Need to Hear This, I was joined by a high school friend, Sakura, and she dives into her mental health journey and what that was like for her in high school versus where she is now. And she just goes into different things that have worked for her and what hasn't and what she has learned about herself along the way. It is a beautiful story and I will just let her speak for herself, but I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you learned something new. Um, A quick disclaimer, this isn't anything medical advice or professional advice. It is just her story and nothing should be taken as a prescription or something that you are supposed to do. So please just listen to this and see what may be applicable for you, but um, consult someone if you'd like to try anything out or if you'd like to actually use any of the resources she discussed so i just wanted to say that first and foremost that this is not any professional advice it's an experience and a story that should be heard and i hope that it helps you along your journey as well i'm sakura i went to school with you I'm currently taking a gap semester. I study computer science at USC. I have about a year left there. And I'm currently working as a software engineering intern. Um, Currently at home in the Bay Area with my family. And the air quality is not great, so I haven't been able to leave the house in a couple days. But yeah, in general, during this time, I feel like I've learned a lot about myself and I've done a lot of healing for sure with my family and also, you know, inner work to heal parts of me. And I've been able to do work that I haven't had time to do because of college or because I've been busy with other things. So I feel like this time of pause has been really a healing time for me. What are some of those things that you've been able to do that you haven't been able to in the past? Yeah, so... Specifically with my family, I haven't really lived with the whole family for a while. So I moved to the Bay Area when I started high school, and my older brother is four years older than me, so he went off to college. And I think during high school, because my brother was away and my parents were busy working, I wasn't super close with them. There was also a period during senior year where I was living on my own, and I was like renting out a room. Uh, from a different family. And so I wasn't really seeing my parents and my family too much. Then when I started college, I was away. And for a couple of summers, I was like living somewhere else or like doing an internship somewhere else. So I wasn't really with the family. 
But now because of COVID, we're all back together and my brother is working from home. So we've been able to have, we call them like family engineering sessions. And <laughs> it's kind of funny because, you know, I'm an engineer. My dad and my brother are both engineers. So my mom is the only like really creative, like, yeah, creative type. But we call it family engineering sessions. And they're essentially difficult conversations that we have to work through our pain, like things that have happened in the past that we try to clear up and try to move on from. So we've had a couple of those sessions. They've just been like really beautiful and vulnerable. And I've been able to learn more about my brother and get closer to him. And my mom and I go on like long walks every morning and we just talk about whatever. Like sometimes we don't talk at all and we just like meditate while we're walking. We talk about like vulnerable things. So I have healed my relationships with them. And also with my dad, I feel like I've slowly been able to kind of reconnect with him. And then with myself, like I've had the free time to learn about mental health and read, read books. So yeah, I've been doing like that inner healing too. What have you learned about yourself that you'd want to carry in other relationships or friendships? I'm definitely a sensitive person. And I feel like when I'm in groups, in large groups, it's easy for me to lose my sense of self and try to mirror other people. So I've been trying to develop a sense of authenticity and a stronger sense of self, try to find like the spaces where I feel most comfortable. Like another thing too, with a book I read recently, it talked a lot about having awareness about your feelings, listening to your body, listening to your reactions. When you're talking to a friend, when you're doing something, when someone is nearby, like what does your body say? And just observing that because that I think gives you insight into like maybe deeper things or just helps you learn about yourself. So I definitely want to carry that level of awareness to my friendships and listen to how I feel when I talk to friends, if I feel good, what things make me uncomfortable. I guess that level of awareness I want to bring. I've also been working on self-love. I think self-love is this huge thing and there are so many different branches of it. But I've definitely been more intentional about surrounding myself with friends who encourage me and celebrate my successes. Another huge thing is like leaning on my friends. So in the past, I want to say a couple years ago, it was really difficult for me to lean on other people because I felt like being independent was strength and needing people was being weak. That wasn't something you should do. So I've been interviewing for like next summer internships and it was kind of a stressful time and I FaceTime my friends. I was like, this is stressful. I am struggling for me to reach out to them and be vulnerable about that and lean on them for support and have like include them in my process of achieving some goal, which is completing an interview. That was really cool to me. And it's also like really great that I can include people in my life and I feel like that strengthens the bond that we have too when we are able to go through difficult things together. And I've also noticed that, I don't know if this is like like going beyond the scope of the question at this point, but I feel like as I've done this healing, my friends have been able to rely on me and maybe because I've been vulnerable with them and shared like things that I'm struggling with, they've now felt comfortable doing the same with me. And it's such a meaningful and rewarding thing to 
help your friends use like the lessons that I've learned to benefit others. Would you say that being aware of how you feel in certain settings and around certain people has allowed you to build boundaries and what you want for yourself in situations or what you expect from yourself? So my mom is like really into weight loss. She wants a flat stomach. And so she always talks about health, what foods I should be eating. And she checks the scale. And I've dealt with like a fair bit of body image issues. So I think, yeah, I definitely like during a couple of our walks when she's talking about that stuff, or she says something that I think is that I don't agree with. I mean, like, she can do whatever she wants and I'm not going to change her or assert my own opinion, but I just tell her, I don't want to talk about this. For me, that's a boundary. I think with family, it's a little bit more acute because you have so much history with your family. Like for me, at least I tend to snap when certain topics come up. Definitely like being aware of how I'm feeling prevents me from snapping when my mom like goes to lecture me about something. And before I would have just like snapped and we would have had an argument, but now I can kind of listen to myself and instead of react, I can respond. And I don't always do this perfectly. Like I'm of course like a student in all of this, but it's helped me have more like progressive conversations and teach her how to treat me. I'm really grateful to have a mom that is open and receptive to hearing feedback and and trying to learn with me. So do you want to dive into your mental health journey as a whole and how you've grown over the years, especially starting in high school and living on your own? Tell me all about everything that you have experienced. I've done so much therapy at this point. I feel like it kind of all starts from childhood, like everything starts from childhood. So my family and I immigrated from India when I was five years old. So we were first generation immigrants in Hawaii and kind of like lower working class. My parents didn't speak English too well. My parents were also like really busy with work a lot. And I think my dad is not really emotionally intelligent, but he was trying hard to provide for the family. And I remember growing up, there were a lot of fights and arguments between my um, parents. And I think my dad was under a lot of stress to just like make things work financially. So Yeah, I remember, yeah, arguments growing up and my brother and I not really knowing what to do. My brother and I weren't really close growing up. And so I think growing up, I I didn't feel like our family was too much of a family. Like we never had meals together. We were just kind of operating like in our own spheres, but we were living in the same house. So we moved a couple of times within Hawaii. And so my mom and I have been pretty close, but she's just been busy with work. And my dad and I were the ones that like quarreled a lot. And he has a strong personality. I have a strong personality. So when I was growing up, I was a really crazy child. And I think everyone goes through this, but my dad and I butted heads a lot. I remember particularly painful memories during childhood when he would yell at me or like we would fight. And my brother and I would also sometimes fight and my mom wouldn't support me. And that's not to paint my childhood as something that was like completely negative. Like there were really positive uh, memories that I had with my parents and my family, but that kind of happened and that kind of sets up how I was with my family. And then we moved to the Bay area when I started high school because my brother went to college in, in the Bay. And I feel like that's when kind of my 
anxiety or depression started. And starting school at Doherty was really difficult for me because growing up, like education was always really valued. And I identified as being really smart. And I was always doing extracurriculars. And I was like close to teachers. And I was uh, achieving a lot and when I went to when I started at Doherty like everyone was doing that plus more plus like playing violin and doing everything so <laughs> it was a huge identity crisis for me and I, I really tried to prove my worth to my peers and make them feel like oh yeah I'm smart too I'm just like you I belong here and so I, I joined a bunch of clubs I, I was interested in them but I felt like when I went to school I was trying to prove my worth to people and I never saw worth in myself unless I was like comparing you know parts of me to other people so I struggled with with depression for basically all of high school and also because my parents were busy with work and my brother was away at college I didn't feel like I had anyone I could talk to because with the state that I was in I just felt so unsafe or like unseen or it was just too much to casually bring up to someone that I barely knew at school and I also didn't feel like it was serious enough for to consider it depression to consider it something clinical to reach out to a counselor or a therapist it just felt like I was the only one struggling with this so that brought on an immense amount of loneliness I coped with that in in multiple ways when I first started, I found this solace, this home in poetry, and I was really into slam poetry. And I did like a writing workshop, and I was in the poetry club, and I really loved writing out my emotions and writing poetry because it felt like I was generating like a trail of my emotions, and I was able at the end of a poem to arrive at this different place and see how I got there. So that was really beautiful. So I did that for about a year and then I found lacrosse and that was also really cool. So these were absolutely outlets for me to um, find maybe not purpose, but like some kind of passion or activity that I could put myself into and maybe like find some kind of community around. So I was really into lacrosse and I would practice for hours every day after school and yeah, I worked really, really hard in lacrosse. And so I felt like that really helped me manage and get through high school. But unfortunately, when I joined the lacrosse team, I felt like, I felt a little disillusioned by, by my experience and it felt a little bit more clicky. And I don't know, I just, was disappointed that, you know, with the sport that I was really in love with, I couldn't fit into the lacrosse team. And so still I felt like the other. It wasn't until I think towards the end of senior year where I, I decided to see the school support counselor and just start talking. And I feel like that really started my journey with seeking professional help for, for mental illness. And, and so that's kind of where my journey started of talking to people about what I was going through. Another part of this is, so my parents decided to move like an hour and a half away from school during my senior year because we were renting and we wanted to buy a house. 
And so my options were either commute like three hours a day or find an apartment closer to school where it would be easier to commute. And so I decided to do that instead. And I was like living on my own. And so that was like a particularly low point in senior year. And I remember one day calling my mom and telling her that I might want to take antidepressants because I was just feeling so low. And then she was like, what? Like, where is this coming from? It was so out of the blue for her because we, we never really like talked about any of this. And then the next day she came over and we like sat in her car and we just kind of had a heart to heart. And I, I told her like, I've, I've been so sad. Like, oh my gosh, like this is what's been happening for the past couple of years. It was a hard conversation, but it was a necessary one. And that was, you know, the beginnings of me opening up to her about being sad and yeah, like revealing my vulnerabilities because she, and, and like, to be fair, from the way she grew up, she grew up in like kind of a rural village in India. And so she's had to have her own methods of coping. And when I first told her that I was feeling sad, she didn't react in the way that I wanted her to. I think I wanted someone to be like, I completely understand you. I love you. I support you. And, and maybe she did do this, but it felt like the undercurrent of what she was thinking is, well, you have so much to be grateful for. We're in the United States and we have a house and we have all these things. If I were in your position, I would be so happy. I would have zero reason to be sad. And she also told me like, you have to be stronger than this. Like this is weakness. So I feel like I got a lot of this independence and strength, like needing people's weakness, that mentality from her a little bit and that kind of ableism. And, and like, that's understandable from the way she grew up. Like that's understandable. It's served her in ways that don't serve me. So I, I feel like I've definitely had to do some training and we've had to have lots and lots of conversations to help her understand where I'm coming from and how I'm different. It's still an ongoing process. Yeah. And then I graduated high school and I saw a actual psychologist. Then I went off to college. College was also like pretty difficult because I was getting through a breakup and it was my first relationship. And I feel like first loves or first relationships reveal a lot about you and like the places that you need healing and it just exposes like so much more. So starting college was a little difficult and I saw some like short-term therapists there and I did this really kind of incredible thing called EMDR. EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And so what you actually do is go to the therapist's office and you're like, you're sitting on this couch and then they give you, or at least mine gave me these little tappers in, in both my hands that buzzed back and forth. And you think about painful or traumatic memory and the therapist kind of walks you through it and you learn to reprocess that in a way that doesn't lodge that trauma in your brain so you can kind of heal from it. And the, the analogy that I use is it's kind of like laser tattoo removal. Like imagine the trauma as this big tattoo that's imprinted on you and EMDR is a way for you to go in and break that up into smaller pieces for you to digest it and work through it. So it's a, it's a treatment that is used for, you know, people who have PTSD and there, there's like complex forms of PTSD. And I think what, it, what I'd want to say is you don't need to feel like 
you have suffered in the same way as like some people who have like extreme forms of PTSD to like, first of all, seek professional treatment, but also to like, you know, look into, you know, different types of treatment like EMDR. So I did that and that was really cool and super, super difficult and like a couple month long process. So that was fall of 2019. And that was like a really big part of my mental health journey doing that. Now I've, I have a ton of tools from just like the years of journaling and seeing therapists and reading articles and reading books and having conversations. So I still see a therapist, but I, I can manage a lot better. I'm, I'm at like a much higher base level than absolutely like a couple years ago. Yeah, for sure. And going back to how you said like in the beginning of high school when you first started feeling these emotions and you thought that you weren't at a place where you had to seek professional help, what would you tell someone who is listening and might be in a similar position who may think, I do not need professional help? And what have you learned that now you can see the other side? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it really depends on the the support that you have already. So if you feel like the issue is coming from your family and you can't talk to them about it, then see if you're able to talk to your friends about it. And some things are too heavy for friends. And some things like your peers, people who are the same age as you, like they cannot help you solve because it's just beyond them and they can give you support. You can lean on them, but there are some things that are just beyond their reach. And so I would maybe hint at something with your friends if you feel like there are good friends that you can trust. And I know there's a lot of issues with with counselors in public schools like they are so overworked they have so many things to deal with and especially like with virtual learning it it must be like so difficult to reach people at your school but see if there's a school support counselor for example in at Doherty I didn't know there was a school support counselor and and basically what they do is they just listen to students problems like their job is to listen to students who are like going through stuff and and support them. I didn't know that that kind of thing existed for me as a resource until senior year, and that's not acceptable. And so I would look into the resources that your school has and maybe talk to an adult that might be able to direct you. Because if it's a bigger problem than what your friends might be able to help you with, then an adult is the next best place. So yeah, talk to a counselor or a teacher that you trust and, and tell them that you have, that you're going through some issues. And yeah, unfortunately, the reality is that therapy is really inaccessible to a lot of people. It's expensive. There are better ways that like, you know, some forms of online therapy, like, you know, calling or teletherapy that are making it a little bit cheaper, a little bit more accessible, but I would say that if you've exhausted the resources and the people that are nearby, then that is the point where you should try seeking professional help. And I will be the first to say that I've tried, I tried for so many years to just fix it on my own. Like people have told me, you know, find outlets, find things you're passionate in. And I wrote poetry. I journaled so much and I invested like my heart into 
and certain activities and it just didn't help me feel better in the long run. And so being unable to feel better wasn't any indication of me lacking the effort or because I wasn't trying hard enough. Like I tried so hard. And I think a lot of people in this position, like they try so hard and it just doesn't like work out. So if you feel like you can talk to your family, then talk to someone in your family. Like for example, I wish I had maybe reached out to my brother. Maybe my brother would have been a good resource for me, but we were just kind of distant and I, I didn't feel like we had that kind of relationship. And I also didn't have the courage to um, have a difficult emotional conversation with him. With my mom, she was so busy and I didn't want to burden her. So I didn't have the courage to take up her time and stress her out with these big identity crisis, stressful issues that I knew she would have like taken on personally and she would have made a big deal out of it. So the benefit of going to therapy is that you don't need to worry about what the load is like on them. You can just let it all out and that's really relieving and hopefully that is an accessible option. But if not, then you can look into kind of public services like counselors or online services. And being in a place with your friends and the friendships that you have where leaning on them is no longer seen as a burden for you or them how do you now distinguish topics that should be discussed just with your support system versus things that are more heavy and things that is beyond them? Like you said, how do you distinguish between those two? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And I didn't know the difference at all when I was like going through this. And I definitely like maybe lost some friends is not the right way to say it, but some acquaintances that I kind of knew that I was like, Hey, can we talk about like my family trauma? And they just ghosted me. <laughs> and I, I've had like a couple of these times occur. And I don't blame my past self for doing that because she didn't know better. And I think like a large part of this journey is like not blaming yourself for anything. And just being super understanding, having radical acceptance and compassion for yourself with anything. Because you only know as much as you know. And um, you shouldn't expect yourself to know any more than that. So yeah, that's an excellent question. And I, I didn't know the line. So I, I asked my friends, like, can we talk about, yeah, trauma? Like, I, I recently reached out to a friend being like, I only am attracted to unavailable men. Can we talk about that? I feel like it stems from some childhood thing with my dad. And she was like, sure, I'd like to talk about that. And then she kind of ghosted me. And I don't blame the other people either because it's a difficult thing to say no to. It's like, yeah, I, I feel sympathy for that, but it's just maybe their lack of boundary setting. And so I have, you know, compassion for everyone in, in this space. But I would say an important thing for me has been to distinguish when I, when I need something, to distinguish what needs might be burdens versus just asks. For example, if... I am struggling because there's a stressful interview coming up. It's not a burden for me to FaceTime a friend and be like, hey, I'm stressed. Can I just rant or vent to you? It's not a huge burden that they have to take on that ruins their day. It's like, oh, it's just a FaceTime call. It's just a 20-minute FaceTime call. And if there's some logistical thing I can help them with, then cool. But it's not going to dramatically affect my day. It's just a call. And so changing the word that I even use to think about what I want from a burden to an ask, like, can I ask my friend to FaceTime? That's been really helpful for me to distinguish what is 
legitimately really heavy that I might want to discuss with a therapist versus just something that I can ask, you know, friends uh, for help for. And I have friends who are also really into mental health and trauma-informed and super knowledgeable about mental health. So maybe my, my support system is a little bit different than other people's. But I would say if it's stuff from your past that was super traumatic with your family or something, like a casual conversation with your friend is probably not going to fix that. And um, asking that of your friend is probably beyond their scope. So at that point, I would reach out to yeah, maybe a therapist or, or another like adult that's not just a friend. Mm-hmm. And how can individuals stay educated on topics such as mental health and of course not be like a stand-in therapist, but just be able to be resourceful for their friends? What are things that you and your friends do or things that you talked about that you read? So what are some resources that you'd point people towards to stay educated? Mm-hmm. So we're all familiar with kind of the algorithms on social media that feed you content that you look at. And so a lot of people will perceive that as negative. If you consume a lot of content about people's bodies that are like unattainable and you see that everywhere on your feed, then that's a negative thing. But I, in my social media on Instagram, I consume a lot of mental health messages. Like some, some of them are affirmations and there is something to be said about toxic positivity and just be happy like that and performative wellness. And so there's just a sea of content that's there for you. And there are psychologists that are putting out informational content on Instagram and people that are saying, you know, nuanced things about mental health. So I can link you to like specific accounts that I follow. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but there are genuinely like really good accounts that you can follow. And, you know, as you read more of these, as you like certain posts, you'll see more of that. And then I feel like when I go to the explore page on Instagram, like I just see a bunch of affirmations and information about different things at this point, because I've, I spent so much time looking at those resources. So yeah, that can be good. And so I think that's a really kind of easy, digestible ways to learn more about mental health because it's just a quick post that you can read through instead of dedicating a lot of time to reading a book, for example. I think, yeah, podcasts such as yours are also like really excellent to learn about mental health. One thing you can do is probably be aware of the times that you express ableism or are knocking down mental health or saying negative things to yourself because a lot of the way that you treat other people reflects like the way you treat yourself. And I I feel like that was the case for me with being kind of judgmental. It's because I was so hard on myself. And when I started to be kinder to myself and listen to the words that I was saying, listen to how I was treating myself and take care of that, I started to become nicer to other people. And I started to notice more things about other people and just be like a kinder presence overall. Yeah. And so what is the future like for you in terms of how you'd like to advocate for mental health and of course, like your career choices as well, but how do you want to integrate your journey into helping others in the future? I'm still figuring this out. I feel like 
one of the things that I kind of said to myself in terms of like what I wanted to do with my career was I wanted to solve trauma at scale. And because I, so I'm a computer science major and I am interested in technology, but I don't want to be in a job where I'm not, you know, directly helping people or I'm not like close to the impact that I'm having. So impact is like definitely a big thing for me, but I'm also not the kind of person that can directly be like a social worker, for example, who's dealing with cases and dealing with like really sensitive people and doing like on the ground work. I don't think that is my path either. So yeah, I'm still figuring this out. Like maybe it's working at a company that is mental health focused and being like an engineer or my therapist recently told me that she'd think I'd be a good manager because, you know, I'm like a really fair person. And so maybe it's, it's being a manager and like leading a group of people and taking their mental health into account. And the advocacy is also with regards to myself. So continuing to advocate for myself and having difficult, difficult conversations, exploring painful parts of me and uncomfortable parts of me and continuing to shed light and advocate for those parts and also being there for my friends and holding space for them when they're going through tough times and listening to them and being present and educating myself so that I can better help myself and help them and also educating my family. So I've, yeah, definitely started small, like tried to fix myself. And then I feel like I've gotten a little bit bigger and bigger in terms of my circles of impact. And I've, I feel like for a long time, tried to fix the world and look like really at like a huge scale. But I feel like the world doesn't need fixing. In that sense, like it doesn't need, it doesn't need me to fix it. I feel like what is best for the world is if I fix myself, and then I fix my family, and then I fix my friends. Not to say that I'm like asserting my own opinions on other people, but doing my best to influence and help the the things that I'm closest to and I have influence over, and then and then trying to spread that. It, it's it's a really cool thing to reflect, and I don't want to come across as being someone who's figured it out because this week has been so hard for me and I've had like so many conversations with my mom this week where I've been like I'm sad I'm sad and so yeah I'm like everything that I've said just now like it's things that I continually tell myself and I'm always learning so yeah we're all in this together and yeah it's it's all about like the process and learning. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode and listening to the first episode of You Need to Hear This. I think Sakura was the perfect first guest and really just spoke her story with such eloquence. So I loved getting to chat with her. I hope you learned something new as well. If you have anything that you would like to be discussed or anything that you would like to hear be spoken about, please either DM me on Instagram or leave it in the review. Somehow contact me and let me know which topic you would like to hear next as part of this series. And I'm looking forward to diving into more conversations such as these. And I thank you for joining today. I'll see you next time. Bye.